did you know it's 2024? Only a couple of you are excited about the new year, amen? That either means you had an awesome 2023 or you had an awful 2023 and it's carrying into 2024. So let's get rid of that, amen? Let's just, let's just stand as we, as we come in together. Let's just pray that what's left from 2023 that wasn't good stays in 2023 and what's good comes in 2024, amen? Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you for being with us even through our difficult years. But Father, I believe you're going to bless this year mightily. I believe you're going to do great things in our lives that we are going to be experiencing you in new and, and profound ways and that we're going to ha- have, is the message today, I want, I, I want happiness for these people and that happiness comes from you. And so we just encourage, uh, I want you to encourage them to seek your face this year in 2024. This is a huge spiritual growth year for everyone in this room today. We love you so, and we just pray that you are honored by our time together. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship.
a song every once in a while. It's just the chorus. And it's, you are worthy of it all. And we believe that in new life. And the, the, song, the chorus goes like this. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. What I want you to focus on is from him are all things. But to him are all things. He's the one that gives and he teaches us to be a giver and we are supposed to respond in kind to give back to him. So as we think about the offering right now, let's just pray real quick. Father, we just are grateful that we get to gather together today as people who know that there is more out there from you and you poured so much good into us, especially in 2023. I felt like it was just a great year for us as a people. And you just gave us so much. And Father, we just want to make sure that we're the same kind of giver that you are. That from you are all things and to you are all things. There's nothing we're going to hold back in 2024 from you. You're going to get all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. There's nothing we're holding back. It's all yours. So Father, as you bless us this year, we just pray that we are honoring you by doing the same with what you give us. Encourage our hearts, Father. Bless the offering that is given. Thank, I, I thank you for those, Lord God, who trust you enough to, to prove the truth of your word, that you will, you will bless those who bless you. So encourage our hearts today, Lord God. I love you. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Man, one more song.
is awesome, isn't he? I mean, let's, let's give him a hand. Yeah, let's give. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's dismiss the kids at this time. Thank you, kids. You did a good job. It's fun to listen to the kids sing. You're, you're doing a good job, parents, bringing them to church. Amen. Good job, Kaylee. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. And then we're going to go to 1 Samuel 15. We're going to stay in 1 Samuel 15. But Joshua 1.8 is where we want to start 2024. The theme of our church this year is that Jesus is the hero of our story. That it's not going to be the preacher. It's not going to be the church. It's going to be Jesus Christ that will be the hero of our story. Because only he can save. Amen. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's going to come a day when we're all going to bow our knee to him and, and praise his name. It's going to be his name that's praised, not anybody else's name. Jesus is the hero of our story. I do need some help with that. If Jesus has done something fantastic in your life, you need to contact me during the week because I want to use you as a testimony on the platform. I can tell you're all excited now. Now, if Jesus, is, if Jesus saved you from something, come on, he ought to be the hero, and we ought to hear about it, amen? So I didn't start this week because you just gave me nothing, but we'll see what happens with that. We're starting a new series called No Other Way. No Other Way. When I was um, a younger believer, that's the song we sang out of the hymn book. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. It is my desire that you, are a, you have a happy year. Like this is a happy year for you, but you can only do it if you trust and obey Jesus. That's the only way it's going to happen. And so that's kind of where we're going to be at over the next... Um, month and then we're going to go into hopefully a marriage series out of the song of solomon and i was asked today by some of my leaders they said is that song of solomon series because if you've ever read song of solomon you know it might not it might be rated r (laughs) for for some younger ears and so they asked me if if i'm going to do the rated r version so that they could do something else with the kids which i think that's appropriate that they would think that way but we're not going to go that deep into it. So we're, we're going we're gonna to work on some marriage stuff that will be helpful for the kids to be a part of. Um, but I'm not doing full-blown Song of Solomon. <laughs> I almost said something. I, I'm not. Just stop. Go on. Go on. This is an easier song to sing than to do. I was talking to a young lady and her husband this week, and she's a newer believer. And she made an amazing statement that I'm going to put into my words. She basically said it takes work to follow Jesus. It's not easy. And she's recognizing that not everybody wants to put the work into it. Not everyone wants to put the work into it. Not everyone wants to put the work into it. 
You want to be happy this year. It's going to take a little work at it. You're going to have to learn how to trust and obey the word of God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 is the first verse in the Bible that I read that I felt like God was speaking to me about. Joshua was a, um, I'll call him a young leader. He was uh, older than, probably older than me, but he was working with Moses and Moses was dealing with a bunch of rebellious people and then Moses was going to die and Joshua was going to take over. And before Joshua took over, God said something to him in first uh, and jo- first, first Joshua. It is the first Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. And, it, and God told me, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou, may doest, thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And that was just talking about the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he said, if you study those and you meditate on them and you obey them and you trust them, you're going to be successful. How many of you be happy if you were successful? I mean, I, I think to a degree, we all want to be successful. But more than that, we all want to be happy. Most of what we do drives whether we're happy or not. But you're going to have to trust the word of God. You're going to have to learn how to meditate on it day and night. And to then observe to do all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosper. Then you'll be prosperous. Then you'll have success. Then you'll have happiness. But it's not easy to do. We're going to study a, a truth today. I really wanted to start out like really positive. Trust me, I really did. It may not work out that way, but I wanted to start out positive. Because there's an aspect of obedience that I think is prevalent in this moment. And it's called modified obedience. It's obedience with a twist. We obey it, but we make it kind of fit into our life and we make it kind of fit into our lifestyle. So we take what the word of God says and we say, I'm going to do that. But we adjust it to fit what makes it easier for us. Because obeying, listen, listen. How many of you are, are parents and you recognize your kids have trouble obeying? Yeah, thank you, Kai. They just have trouble. And, and it's not that they're bad kids, or maybe they are, but it's not that they're bad kids. It's, that they, it's, just, it's just hard. Uh, I was telling one of the little girls on, um, on uh, Sunday night when we had the vision night, there was a little girl that used to come to church, and she would sit there, and she would sit through all the services. We had Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and she would sit through the services with her parents. And she looked at me one day, and she said, Pastor, it's so hard. I said, what's so hard, baby? She says, it's so hard to sit here and listen to you. Uh, Okay, I get it. It's not easy. I I get it. I get it. She was cute. Then she became an adult. But we have a modified obedience. It's obedience with a twist because we always want to, we want to obey, but we want to make it benefit us to the best that it can. And so you're not going to be happy if you modify obedience. And we're going to, to do that, we're going to study the, the life of, of a man by the name of Saul. He was actually a, a, a teenager when he was first called by God. God chose him to be the first king of the Jews because the Jews rejected God as king. And they were doing what was right in their own eyes. And so they were kind of being rebellious a little bit. It's kind of like working in the nursery, having to watch somebody else's kid. And man, it's hard because you're dealing with what the parents didn't do. If you're a school teacher, if you're a regular school teacher, you're dealing 
with the disobedience of kids that aren't being, obey, aren't being taught discipline at home. And that's, it's hard. Because I believe with all my heart, deep down, everybody wants to obey. Or at least everybody wants to be happy. But it's hard to obey. Saul. Saul didn't want the job that God had called him to, so he hid, him, hid himself so he, wasn't gonna be anoint, so he wouldn't be anointed. But God will find you out. I believe you're here this morning because God's been looking for you. Not just you've been looking for God, but God's been looking for you. He's got something for you. He's got a life that he wants to give you. He's got a life that he wants to give your family. And he's looking for you to give you that life. But you're going to have to trust and obey. The job that King Saul got was actually a tougher job than any of us would have expected. Obedience to God is not as easy as, you know, we just want to say, just, just obey. It's not as easy as, as said and done. But God gave him everything to succeed. He gave him a new heart, gave him direction through the word of God, through a prophet, and gave him power, the power to do the, the word of God, to obey it. So God gives you what you need to trust and obey. It's very similar to when you got saved and made Christ your savior. You surrendered your life to a life that you needed, but you probably didn't expect. Because there's a lie that goes around that says once you get saved, everything in your life is going to go perfect. But we know that's not true. It's hard. And so God then gives us commands to obey, to live the best life possible, but it's hard to obey. Because some way we find another way. But you've been running from Jesus and Jesus got a hold of you, you surrendered your life to him, and now you realize that he gave you everything you need through his spirit and through the word of God to live the life you're called to, but it's not easy to trust and obey. Saul struggled with this in his life. So much that he took things in his own hands. Have you ever done that with God? Taking something that God says, I want you to do this, and then you took it in your own hands to do it the way that you think is best because you know better than God? Has your kid ever done that when they've adjusted what you said to do because it fit better with them? Take out the garbage, and then they talk their younger brother or sister into taking out the garbage for them. (laughs) They're just modifying it a little bit. We do that. He made rash vows. Have you ever done that? I'm going to do this. You, you probably did that at the start of this year. Like you said, in 2024, I'm going to be a faithful Christian. And then by the end of day one, I had to call upon God and repent of your sin. Because you wouldn't obey. Because you remembered, oh, I didn't read my Bible. I didn't, didn't pray. I uh, wasn't nice to my spouse. I yelled at my kids all day long because on day one they were still at home and they weren't in school. (laughs) Rather than thinking things through, we make rash vows. I did that with my family. I'm not going to tell you the name of the book because I don't, because I know you're rebellious enough to go buy it and then think you could apply it. I read this book and I applied it to my family's life and said, this is the way we're going to live. This is the way we're going to live for God. It was the biggest mistake ever made in my life. My wife, if I, if I, she, she knows the name of the book and she, she will not tell you what it is. But I thought this is the way to live. And it was like, it was the dumbest thing in the world. But I was making a rash vow. We're going to do this. Six months later, I'm like, we're not doing this anymore. This was dumb. (laughs) I was following the plan of a man, not the plan of God. 
plan God had for Saul's life was a constant battle and required obedience to the word of God to succeed. But he wouldn't fully trust and obey. I'm almost sad for him because I want to say that I've never modified the word of God to fit my life. But I have. I want to say that I've always, what God says, I've done it absolutely, yeah, I've trusted and I've obeyed him in every word that he says. God says, do this, and I do it. But that would be a lie. Because sometimes it's easier to modify the faith than it is to obey it. Meaning when I do that, when I modify God's plan, by modifying God's word, it changes the future that God has for my plan. God tells me to go this way because this is the best way for me to go. And I change it and go this way. That means I'm going to end up over here, not over there. Now God's plan was for me to be over there, but now I'm over here. Now I'm upset that I'm over here because I'm not over there. But that's where God told me to go and I didn't listen to him because I went this way. It's kind of that discussion you have with your spouse in the car. Go this way. No, go this way. So we just listen to Siri because she's right every time. See, meaning when we uh, modify the word of God, when we modify what God's saying, we adjust what God's planned for us and we skew it because of us. So God has this plan for our life. God's got a plan for every one of our lives. There isn't one of, one of you in this room that God doesn't have a plan for you to be happy in Jesus. The problem is we don't trust and obey. So let's pray because I just realized that I haven't done that yet. And I need his help to get through this. Father, your word is so good and it's so right. But I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes it's hard to obey because I want to do what I think is best for me. Help us today to understand this truth because I believe this is, can change people's lives today. I believe this could bring happiness in 2024 if they just hear what you're saying from your word today. Please open their hearts up. Please, Father, that they might hear everything that you have to say to them today, that they might be happy in Jesus. We love you in Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said. See, there's two options when it comes to listening to the voice of God. You can obey it or disobey it. But when it comes to God's word, you're either going to obey what he says, not what you think he says, or what you're adjusting to what he says, or you're, because everything else is disobedience. You're either obeying what God says to do, or you're not obeying him at all. And so we, the, the problem with obedience is it can be difficult and sometimes inconvenient. Have you ever had that moment where, the, where God says to you, you're, you're lying to your wife. You did eat that chocolate cookie. <laughs> I haven't eaten a cookie. Crumbs. <laughs> but you lied. And the Holy Spirit said, just confess it. No. But we don't, and we won't, because, it, because if I confess it, then I have to confess that I've sinned against my wife when she said, don't eat the cookie. 
She has said those words in the last couple of weeks. So I'm just telling you, this is a real issue for me. (laughs) This is a problem. But see, we also need to understand that you have the power through the Spirit of God to obey if you just trust and obey. So let's get into the story. Because the story is the fun part of the whole day. Well, at least for me it is. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 1. Samuel, Samuel is the prophet. Saul is the one who's going to be anointed king. He's already kind of screwed up a little bit. He's already kind of messed up a little bit. He hasn't trusted and obeyed. But Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Let me say that one more time. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them in the way when they came up out of Egypt. When they came up out of, when the children of Israel came up out of Egypt, Amalek wouldn't let them go through his land, but made them go a more difficult way. He rebelled against God's people, caused problems. So now God says, I'm going to take care of that. Just so you know, God will take care of your enemies at some point in time. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might be 20 years from now, but he will take care of your enemies. Yeah, I'm waiting. (laughs) You don't need to worry about them. Well, he's not dealing with it. He will. And then it gets pretty graphic. And I don't want you to shut me off on this because what I'm going to say right now, what I'm going to read right now is going to be the ultimate moment of life change for you at the end of this sermon. That says the Lord of hosts, I have noticed what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them in the way that they came out of Egypt. Now go strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both men and women, child and infant and sheep and camel and donkey. Sounds simple enough. Listen to what God says. Do what it says. My friends, that's what discipleship is. It's listening to what God says, doing what God says. Go strike Amalek, devote yourselves to destroying all they have. Don't spare them, kill them all. Do not shut me off and start thinking things about God that you don't understand until I get to the end of this sermon. Seriously. Because it seems kind of mean that God is having him kill everything. But there's purpose to it. So God says... Devote yourself to their total destruction. And here's what Saul did in verse 9. 1 Samuel 15 verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and and the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. What did God say? Destroy them all. What did he do? He modified the command and would not destroy them all. And all that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. He chose the king and the best things and got rid of what was deemed bad. That's not what God said to do. But Saul decided to modify the commandments of the Lord. That's all you have to do. God says, I want you to do this And he always makes it clear what he wants us to do. 
but then you choose to modify it to fit into what you think is best. Now, here's God's response to that. 1 Samuel 15, 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. You do not want God giving the man of God a word of God to you immediately after you do something stupid. Amen? I'm just telling you. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me. And has not, this is God saying, he has not performed my commandments. And Saul was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. He begged God for Saul. Some of us, something none of us want to hear is God saying to us, I regret that I saved you. I regret that I helped you. I regret that I've called you. I regret. You do not want God to regret the life that he has for us. But Saul was quite pleased with himself. Look, look at this. This, this, is, this is good Bible teaching. If I have to say so myself. <laughs> Saul was quite pleased with himself. Look at verse 12. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up a monument for himself. And turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. He made a monument to himself. There was no grief over his sin, no shame, no guilt. In his own mind, he thought what he had done was a great thing. What am I talking about? Have you ever made a monument to the modified steps of faith that you've made? You tell people you're saved, but you've modified it and say, it's okay to be saved, but I can still live in sin. Huh. It's not how it works. If you're a saved person, Paul says you're supposed to stop focusing on sin. It doesn't say that you're not going to still sin. It says you shouldn't be doing these things because you're saved and think you're going to get away with it. You say you go to church, but you inconsistently attend. You've modified it because your lifestyle doesn't fit into what God's word says to do. Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another even so much the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is coming back. Who's going to be here when he shows up? That was his question, not mine. Welcome to New Life. I'm glad I can start your year out with this. Trust me, it gets better. He made a monument. You say you've forgiven, but you won't ever release it and forget it. When God forgives us of sin, he forgives us our sin. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't hang around to remember what we've done. But how many of us say that we've forgiven, but boy, all we got to do is talk to that person is automatically angry, bitter, hurt, whatever. Jesus said, if we don't forgive, we're not forgiven. And we're supposed to forgive the way that he forgives. But we make a monument. I've forgiven. No, you haven't. You're still angry at that person. Come on. But I've forgiven. No, you haven't. Stop using the word if you haven't done what God's word says about what forgiveness is. There was no grief, there was no shame, no guilt. In his own mind, he thought he'd done a great thing. Have you modified the word of God? 
and then made a monument to what you've done, even though it wasn't exactly what God said to do. Look at your taxes that you're about to do and ask yourself, does, that add up, does my giving add up to 10% of what I've received from God? I've made so much money. That's, make a monument to yourself. But that doesn't mean that you've obeyed the word of God. See, it doesn't make much to, it doesn't take much to identify that you've modified. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of the time doing. We're going to look at what it takes to identify how we know we've modified. And it's really simple. And we'll read it from this story. When you've modified the word of God, there's a lot of religious talk. There's a lot of religious talk. Look, look at this. I love it. This, this is the funnest thing about the Bible. God doesn't hold anything back. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Blessed be you, preacher. I've obeyed God this week. Blessed be you. I am so good. He didn't obey the commandment of the Lord. He modified it. He was supposed to destroy the Amalekites. But he kept the best under the guise of I'm going to bless God with it. I hear this all the time when people pray to God for uh, a way to provide for their family financially. And then they steal the tithe or work on Sunday and take the best for themselves. And they say, bless me God, I am such a good Christian. Not if you're not obeying and trusting the word of God. Blessed be you, God. I've performed the commandments of the Lord. There's this religious talk. But it's not real. I hear people praising God all the time that aren't living for God at all. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not sitting around watching you raise your hands up, but I'm watching you say, I surrender all, and you, you haven't. But you talk as if you have. Second thing you want to understand about modifying your faith. The sound of scripture gives your sin away. The sound of scripture gives your sin. All that has to happen is the scripture has to be read as God says it. And your sin will find you out. Samuel said, Samuel said, or Saul said, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. And Samuel said, what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? He was supposed to kill all the animals. There should be no animal sounds. I would tell all of you farmers that that would be the best thing you could ever do is kill all your animals. That would be a God thing. I uh, made all the animal lovers nervous, but I'm not serious. What, what I'm saying is though, there shouldn't have been the sound of any animals. There shouldn't have been the sound of any sheep or any cows. There shouldn't have been that noise being made because if he did what God said, there'd be no sound to set it set him off the Bible says be sure your sin will find you out you can say you've obeyed God but all you have to do is have the scripture read or, or about that subject and we'll find out did you really obey God or did you modify it are you really obeying God or are you modifying it to fit whatever's best for you number three and I've got ten 
but it goes really fast, real quick. You've modified the word of God when you cover it up with religious acts. Verse 15. Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen and sacrifice to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Not the Lord my God. The Lord your God. And the rest we've devoted to destruction. I wonder how many times we've done something and said, God, if you do this, then I'll do that. But then when you had the chance to do that, you didn't do that. It was all just a religious act. God, if you give me a child, I'll raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Yet you're more concerned with their sports than you are their soul. Give me a child. Give me children. I'll honor, raise them to honor you. I'll raise them to serve you. I'll raise them to live for you. Once they're done with high school. If you've been around Christianity very long, you'll notice that it's hard to get them back once they get lost in high school. So you start covering up with religious acts because that's what people do. See, they wanted to use the religious acts of worship as a way to honor God. But listen, if you're being dishonest about obeying the word of God, you shouldn't be trying to worship God without actually obeying God. The most spiritual thing you can do, the most spiritual thing you can do is obey the word of God. The most spiritual thing you can do is not raising your hands up in worship, praising his name, singing songs in his name. The most spiritual thing you can do is obey God's word. Number four, you'll be dead to preaching. You'll be dead to preaching. You know you've Modified the word of God when you are dead to preaching. Verse 16. And Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I'm just trying to be religious. Stop! I'm just trying to make it seem like I'm spiritual. Stop! I wanted to use the word shut up. But I know you wouldn't like that. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. I will tell you what God said. Not, I will tell you what God says and you can decide whether you want to believe it or not. It wasn't, I'll tell you what God said and you can decide whether you want to sit around in a circle and you can all talk about what it means to you. Or I can tell you, this is what God said. That's the difference between preaching and teaching. Teaching gives you the, the ability to decide whether you want to believe it or not. Preaching takes that all away. You don't, have, you don't get the choice. You either believe it or you don't. So that's why modern day Christians don't like preaching and they want everything teaching because they want to find somebody who tickles their ears and tells them what they want to hear but they don't want to ever hear somebody say, thus says the Lord. Because the moment that a preacher says, thus says the Lord, you'll go find another church that will tell you what you want to hear. 
You go find somebody who's kinder and nicer because Pastor Andy Roberts said, shut up in church. I'm offended now. Or you just shut it off. Once you hear preaching that has confidence in what the word of God says, you want to shut it off and say, I, man, this, this guy's not for me. And Samuel said, well, no, I, I'll pull back in verse 16. He says, stop, I'll tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said, speak. You being here puts you in a position to where you are going to hear the word of God preached by a man of God who's not going to compromise the word of God because I want you to like me. Because I don't care if you like me. I do care if you love Jesus. Liking me is, I, I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm not your savior. I cannot save you. I will not help you. It's his word that does all the work. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. The Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, go devote yourself to destruction of the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? That's what preaching says. Preaching says, why did you do that? If you know what God's word says, if you claim to be a believer, why did you do that? Well, I don't want to go to church to hear that. That's what preaching does. It puts you in a position to where you're under, under conviction of the Holy Spirit by the preaching of the word of God. Why did you do that? God said, do this. God said, destroy the Amalekites. Why didn't you destroy the Amalekites? Well, I don't want to be put on the spot like that. I don't like that kind of preaching. That's a little aggressive, Pastor Andy. It still doesn't kill the question, why didn't you obey? Why did you pounce on the spoil? Why did you steal from God? Why did you lie? Why did you cheat? Why? Well, I didn't come to church to be called a sinner. Don't sin and it won't bother you. It only offends the ones that are in sin. Listen, if you... If you uh, no, I won't say that. And do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Did the preacher just say shut up? You may not have wanted this life, but if you're a Christian, it's the one that's been chosen by God for you. To live lives of holiness and righteousness. To trust and obey the word of God. Yes, he saved you from your sins, but he doesn't just want you to run around continuing to live in your sins. Samuel goes on to say, you may not, have, oh, I already said that. God gave a specific command, go on a mission, destroy the sinners and consume them all. Why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord? Let's just say, that. why did you sin the sin that you made, you committed this week? Why? 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 I can be like a three-year-old. Why? Why? Why did you take what wasn't yours? Why did you steal what belonged to God? Why? Why? I don't have an answer! Yeah, you do. You modified the word of God. Why did you do this evil in the sight of the Lord? Well, I didn't think it was evil. Listen, if you didn't obey God, it's evil. 
If God asked you to do something, told you to do something, live a certain way, act a certain way, and you decided to go against it, what you're doing is evil, not good. I know we live in a world where they call evil good and good evil, but that's not how Christians live their lives. Again, I know what you're thinking. Okay, it's time for me to walk out of this service. I said that to keep you in your place because the, end, the ending is that good. It's worth the price of admission. I know you, preachers are supposed to tell heartwarming stories to make you feel good about yourselves. They're not supposed to say, shut up. They're not supposed to tell me why I, why I sinned. They're not supposed to tell me that you're in sin. They're not supposed to do that. But that wouldn't bother you if you wouldn't have modified the word of God. I got to a place in my spiritual life where I loved coming to church because I was dealing with a lot of the stuff that I, I used to sin in. And I, I hated coming to church at first because like every time I came into church, the preacher was saying something about something that I did wrong. So I walk out saying, all I do is wrong. He wasn't wrong. I was. And I got to the place in my spiritual life where I wasn't perfect. But he had to work really hard to find a sin that I was committing. And that's what you want your preachers to do. You want to make them work to find the sin that you're committing. Don't throw them softballs. Like the ones we're going to talk about now. You know you've modified the word of God when you lie. Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. No, he didn't. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. No, he didn't. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and I brought Agog, the king of Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amaleks to destruction. No, he didn't. He lied. He lied, he lied, he lied. And can I tell you something about lying about God? He knows you're lying, and so do you. You know it. You can play a game all you want, but the reality is you know when you've lied. You blame. Number six, verse 21. But the people took of the spoil. It was my wife, God. Good response, Adam. It's already been used. It's that woman you gave me. It's Satan, God. Go ahead, ladies. Tell, tell God that it's Satan that made you sin. The devil made me do it. Is the devil in you? Or is the Holy Spirit? Because if the devil made you do it, you're listening to the devil more than you are the, the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God wouldn't have said it's okay to sin. He wouldn't have approved of your choices. You blame. See, what God requires in worship is your obedience. Let me give you the verse. Verse 22. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? He goes on to say, Behold, it's better to obey than to sacrifice and to listen to the fat of, listen than, to listen than the fat of rams. See, to obey God is better than any religious act you're going to commit. To obey God is the best thing you can do. Everything else is just religious activity. I watch people come in and you're in sin and you're singing songs of praise to a God who is holy and righteous and worthy of it all. But you don't come in giving him that. You come in giving him what you've modified to fit your lifestyle. 
To listen to the word of God is better than to smell rebellious offerings. He goes on to say in verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption as iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now stop, two things here. Five powerful descriptions of disobedience to the word of God, modifying the word of God. It's rebellion, it's witchcraft, it's stubbornness, it's sin, it's false worship. When you disobey the word of God, when you modify what it says to fit what you think is right or what you think is easy, what you think is best, it's rebellion, witchcraft, stubbornness, sin, false worship. And because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he was rejected by God. Scripture says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I can't believe we, we would even think that being proud was okay. Yet I run into so many Christians today that are just filled with pride. So much pride that you think you can get away with sin. You can remove yourself from the situation so you don't be caught in sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. And he was rejected because he rejected the word of God. He was rejected by God. I don't know about you, but I need as much God as I can get. I don't need him rejecting me. I don't need him resisting me. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I don't need him resisting me. I need him in my life. I need his peace. I need his joy. I need his love. I need his life. For me to be happy, I need Jesus. Number eight, and there's one more after this. How do you know you've modified the word of God? You repent only because you've been caught. You repent only because you've been caught. Verse 24, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Then he says, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Nice excuse, still sin. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin, because that's what we want is forgiveness, right? And return with me that I may bow before the Lord. Meaning, come with me so people don't recognize that I've sinned against God. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. If God's not going to approve of you, why do you think I'm going to? For you have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Because you reject the word of God, God rejects the life that he's planned for you, that he's given to you, that he's laid out for you. Uh, Plans for hope, plans for life, plans for liberty, plans for freedom, plans for power, plans for experiencing God in mighty ways, plans for happiness. You want to know why you're not happy? Because you're not obeying the word of God. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And Samuel turned to go away, and Saul seized the skirt of his robe, and it tore. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom from you this day, and has given it to a neighbor of yours. Now hold on real quick. You can passionately turn around and repent and make a big scene about it. But you had your chance. Because God has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Now that's something that we don't like to hear today, but God says, I'm gonna give, 
I'm gonna give somebody other than you the life that I planned for you because they're better than you. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when God gives stuff that he's given to me, planned for me, away to somebody who is, I don't care if he gives it to somebody that I don't know, but if he gives it to somebody that's better than me, that bothers me because that means I suck. I gotta be pretty bad if God takes the life that he's planned for me and says, I got someone's better than you. I planned it for you. I gave it to you. I wanted you to live it. I wanted you to have the best life possible. It would have been a great experience to have been king of Israel. But you wouldn't obey. So I found somebody better than you. He didn't just take it away. He said, I'm going to find somebody better than you and give it to them. This is the life that God has. He takes away from you and gives it to somebody better. So whoever's got the life that you want, it's because they're better than you. Welcome to new life. Great 2024. This, 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 trust me, this comes full circle here in just a minute. He repented because he was caught. What a slam, giving it to somebody who's better than you. See, and here's what you're left with. If you modify the word of God to this point, here's what you're left with. Verse 30 and 31. Then he said, I have sinned. Yet honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel and return to me. Don't let them know that I've sinned. That I may bow before the Lord your God. And Samuel turned back after Saul. He said, you know, again, if God's gonna resist you, I'm gonna resist you. After that, Saul bowed before the Lord, yet he had no anointing in his life. What the life that God had for him was taken away and given to somebody else. You can lift your hands up all you want. You can sing praise to his name all you want. But if you've modified the word of God, the only thing that'll cover your sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. No amount of religion, no amount of work. See, because the problem is once he left his position as king, and disobeyed the word of God. He was left without the power of God to fulfill it. He was left without the power of God. So he had the power of God to be happy in Jesus, but he modified the word of God and was left without the power. You wanna know why it's so hard for you? Because you don't have the power of God to live this life. You've chosen to modify the word of God and God finally got to a point where he said, fine, I'm going to give it to somebody else. And I'm going to, with, that, with that person, they get the power that I was going to give you. So as the worship team comes up to the platform, I want you to turn with me, or at least focus on the screen, to 2 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to grab a Kleenex real quick. 2 Samuel chapter 1. Because I want you to see what happens 20 years down the road. 20 years of Samuel or uh, Saul living without the power of God. And if you ever read this story, you'll see that he became bitter and angry, had to be calmed down by, by music. David, he, who was good to him, he got jealous of him, tried to kill David. He became a, 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 a he hated people. 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1. After the death of Saul, when David had returned from striking down the Amalekites, David remained two days in Ziklag. 
And on the third day, behold, a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. And when he came to David, he fell to the ground and paid homage. And David said to him, where do you come from? And he said, I've escaped from the camp of Israel. And David said to him, how did it go? Tell me. And he answered, the people fled from the battle. And also many of the people have fallen and are dead. And Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. Then David said to the young man who told him, how do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? And the young man who told him said, by chance I happen to be on Mount Gilboa. And there was Saul leaning on his spear. And behold, the chariots and the horsemen were close upon him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and he called to me. And I answered and I said, here am I. I am. Then he said to me, who are you? And I answered, I am an Amalekite. I am an Amalekite. And he said this, Saul. Saul said this to, to the young Amalekite. Stand beside me and kill me, for anguish has seized me. And yet my life still lingers. So I stood behind, beside him and killed him, because I was sure that he couldn't live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the armlet that was on his arm, and I brought him here to my Lord. Who killed Saul? Anybody? Simple question. Who killed Saul? An Amalekite. Who was Saul supposed to kill? The thing that Saul was supposed to kill in his life ended up killing him. It didn't happen a year after that. It didn't happen two years. It happened 20 years down the road. The very thing that he was supposed to kill, the very thing that he was supposed to obey God in, the very thing that God called him to listen to ended up killing him. Think about that for a moment. He kept what killed him. I wonder what God is asking you through his word to do, but you're going to modify it. And one day, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe years down the road, because you didn't obey his, boy, obey his voice, what you were supposed to kill is now killing you. The thing that God said, I want you to obey this. And you said, no, I'm going to save it because it's better for me. I think of teenagers in this room. God has a plan for your life. I am at 60, almost 61 this year. I am into making sure teenagers hear the truth of the word of God so they can live the best life possible. Because this world is horrible. And their only way of salvation is through Jesus Christ. But God has a plan for your life, teenager. But he's asking you to trust him and obey him. And if you're unwilling to do what he's asking you to do and won't kill what God says to kill in your life, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be 37. And the very thing that God told you to kill when you were 17, you kept it alive because it was best for you. And at 37, it's killing you right now. You've lived 20 years without the power of God in your life to succeed in this life. You've you've not obeyed the word of God so you could have success. Even if you have earthly success, it's not going to be enough. I promise you, there won't be enough money to make you happy. 
But God asked you something today to kill in your life. And you're saying, no, I'm good. I can compromise it. It's okay to do this. I can get away with it. No, no, you can't. One day, it'll, you look back and say, I wish I would have killed it. God told you not to be drunk with wine or in his excess, but be filled with the spirit. Yet you think it's okay, I can get drunk. There's a lot of 37-year-olds that wish they wouldn't have tasted a drop of booze in their life. I run into addicts all the time that say, I wish I never would have tried that first drug. But I wouldn't listen. I see people all the time that wish they never would have had sex before marriage. But they did. And now they're living with the fruit of that kind of a life. And you're 37 and you made mistakes with your children and you're buried in debt. And, you, and do you remember this sermon about modifying the word of God? Because if you're 17 and you're, now you're 30, I want you to remember the moment that God tried to tell you, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. So if you're not happy at 37, it's because you did not trust and obey the word of God. Because you would not kill what God said to kill. You would not destroy what God said to destroy. You continue to think you could live with it and you would make it. You're going to be okay. Because you're, you're the exception to the rule, right? You'll never get addicted. You'll never be a drunk. I can guarantee you in this room, teenagers, that there are 40, 50, 16, 70-year-olds in this room that look back in their life and wish they would have killed what God said to kill when they were younger. True? There are things you wish you would have killed. There are things you, you wish I would have just obeyed God. I just would have obeyed the word of God. I, just would have, I should have just done it. I wish I would have listened to the preaching and trusted and obeyed. But instead I modified it. Now I'm living this horrible life. And I'm mad at God. Why are you mad at God? God told you what to do. Or did you miss that Sunday? Or did you not read it in his word? Because at some point in time, teenagers, you got to read the Bible for yourself. Stop relying on your parents to read the Bible to you because if you're 14, 15, 16, you should be able to read the scriptures yourself. Well, they're so boring. Well, without them, your life will get more exciting for a little bit, but it won't be a life that you'll want. Some of you dads modified the word of God and now you must... Be a father in your own power. And you're struggling because it's hard to do it in your own power. Some of you are moms and you, you modified the word of God. And now you must be a mom in your own power. How hard is that to do? Some of you have done ministry without the anointing and you modif because you modified the word of God. And now you must do it in your own power. And you wonder why you've gotten burnt out. And you didn't get burnt out because the church used you or abused you. It's because you didn't obey and trust the word of God. And you're wondering, why is life so hard? It's because you refuse to trust and obey. 
Let's stand real quick and I'm going to close with this. Jesus' mother. I heard this the other day and I thought it was so good. Jesus' mother made a statement that I wish all Christians would abide by. They went to a wedding and they ran out of wine. And so as to not bring shame upon the family, the bride and the groom and the family, Jesus' mother goes to Jesus and says, can you help us out? Can you help us out? And Jesus says, I'm not ready yet, Mom. But he says, come on. She says, come on, Jesus. You can do this. You can turn water into wine. You've done it at home. Might as well do it here too. And Jesus gets ready to to perform a miracle. And his mother makes this statement to the servants in the room. Whatever he says to do, do it. Whatever he says to do, whatever Jesus says to do, do it. Because Jesus can perform a miracle in your life that will bring you joy and not shame. He can bring you peace and not pain. But you've got to trust and obey. You've got to trust and obey. You've got to kill what he says to kill and do what he says to do if you want to be happy in Jesus. Whatever he says to do, do it. One of the keys to the Great Commission is to teach him to do do all the things that God has told us, Jesus has told us to do. Whatever Jesus says to do, do it. Don't think you know better than him. Don't think you can get away without having the consequences of sin when he gives you salvation. Why not trust and obey? For there's no other way. You say, I don't believe it. Well, why don't you try trusting him and obeying and seeing how happy it makes you to do that? Because there's no guilt or shame when I'm obeying the word of God. Why don't you kill that sin that God is saying? Don't do that. Because if you kill it now, say at 17, you won't be 37 struggling with your life. You'll be 37 saying, I'm glad I listened to the word of God that day. I'm glad I obeyed it because it's made me a happier person. But you've got to trust and obey. Gracious Heavenly Father, whatever Jesus says to do this morning, I want to do. I'm getting too old to have to deal with my sin 20 years down the road. I'm getting too old to not kill what's going to kill me. Father, in this room, there are things that people are doing that is going to kill them someday. It won't help them. It won't make them happier. In fact, that's why it's so hard to obey you, Father, because we got to obey today and it's not convenient. But it is the best life for us. Help us, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, ladies are going to begin to sing and we can sing with them if we want. But if you've, 
got something you need to kill in your life that you know God is telling you it's sin. You need to deal with it. Why don't you come to this altar right now? Come on. God's been working with you on this. He's been telling you you need to deal with it. You need to get it right. He's been telling you you need to confess and repent. Come on now. Altar's open. recognizes our weakness but gives us something better just obey him trust him he's ever given you, no word he's ever promised you, no, no word that's ever been said by God that has failed to be the best thing for us to do life.
you need that faith today? He's got the best life plan for you. Just got to trust him and obey him. You got to know what he says, trust him, obey him. You will be happy in Jesus. I promise you, you will have the best year of your life this year if you just trust him and obey him. Father, open our hearts up to lead this place honestly, to confess our sins, to call upon you to save us, to encourage us to trust you today. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Please be seated first. Don't, don't leave yet. We're making a little bit of a change in our planning and it takes a little bit of adjusting to, to do that. Um, you want to go first? This is my beautiful wife, Deborah. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> She's hot. Good morning, y'all. <laughs> this is what happens when you obey God. You get this for 40 years. Oh, stop. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I have a few announcements this week. Thank goodness there's only three this week, at least from me. <laughs> so on January 22nd, for all you men, oh, you are having a fellowship dinner here at the church at 6 p.m. And the master barbecue, Daniel Jasper, will be cooking the food. So you don't want to miss that. Tofu. Sure it's it's going to be amazing, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Please stop by the info desk after church on your way out and sign up for that. Christine will be there to help you with that sign up and answer all of your questions. And then on January 23rd, our Rooted Experience begins again. It's our first step of discipleship, and it's a 10-week commitment for your spiritual growth. Um, if I promise you, if you pour yourself into the Rooted Experience, you will finish out changed. completely changed yeah. trust me but you've got to you've got to want it and I'll tell you what Joey leads that and um, he does a great job and you will make new friends you will be more invested in your spiritual walk with Jesus and also with new life so stop by the info desk and sign up for that. And Christine will be there again to answer any questions. Christine, stand up. And then, oh, no, she's, she's actually standing up, standing up walking out. <laughs> and then we are reintroducing Secret Sisters for you women. So if any of you are interested and haven't already signed up, I already have a, a large amount that have signed up. It's going to be fun. Um, if you haven't been a part of it, it's a fun, it's not just a fun thing. It is fun to be anonymous, but the great thing about it is you get to bless another woman in the church. And it is amazing to be able to pray for another woman each day and also bless them with encouragement, with cards and notes and little gifts or baked goods or homemade things. It's just a wonderful time to bless another woman without expecting anything in return. And so it's, it really is a ministry. And we're going to do barbecue bros, so just so you don't feel bad. <laughs> anyway, so if you are interested in being a part of that, see me at the info desk right afterwards, and I will get your name in the bucket. We're going to draw our names next week, so don't miss out on that. If for some reason you're sick, just let me know. I'll, I'll draw for you. And I'll eat your barbecue if you don't. <laughs> Guys, let's, let's pray one last time. Father, we love you. I know that you've got great plans for these people. There isn't one in this room that you don't have something great planned for them. They've just got to trust you and obey you. They've just got to put their life by faith in your hands. 
that, Father, my prayer for them is that at the end of this year, there is testimony after testimony after testimony about how Jesus Christ is the hero of their story because they trusted him and obeyed him and gave them the life that they've been looking for. Encourage your hearts. We love you so. In Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, all right, y'all are dismissed. Don't forget your kids, please.